Please be seated. Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. So Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell get together. That's what it's like with the Pharisees and the Herodians getting together. They never did it, just this one time. See, the Pharisees, they were the religious purists. And the Herodians, they were collaborators with the Roman occupiers. Opposing parties, different views of the world, but they came together at this moment to entrap Jesus. So some background of what's going on here. So in the first century, people paid a lot of taxes. They paid a temple tax, a land tax, customs and trade taxes. And the tax in question in this lesson is the imperial tax. The imperial tax, which must have been paid for by Roman coinage, and it was a tribute to Rome for the privilege of being occupied by the Roman army. It was not popular. And among Jesus' followers, it was especially unpopular. Jesus' followers, many of them, were the peasants from the countryside who knew the oppression of this tax. So Jesus is in a quandary here when he's asked this question, is it lawful to pay the tax or not? See, if he says it's not lawful to pay the tax, then he disappoints his followers, the people who've dedicated themselves to his work. And if he says, pay it, if he says, um, don't pay it, then he has a problem with the Roman authorities. He's in a bind, but Jesus is always able to see what's going on to take it a step further. So he asks a question. Tell us, he asks the question, show me a coin. Now, he knows that Roman coinage is necessary in order to pay this tax. So in showing the coin, he's presented with a denarius. The denarius that has the picture of Caesar on one side of it. Now, this is all happening in the temple, in the temple in Jerusalem. And there was a law that forbid having any graven image in the temple. So when he asks for the coin to be produced and the coin is produced, Immediately, his questioners, they are ashamed. They violated the law. They brought the coin into the temple. And so Jesus asks whose face is on the temple. They say, Caesar, the emperor. And he says, give unto the emperor that which is the emperor's, and to God that which is God's. Often this text is used to propose a kind of dichotomy. Things that are Caesar's 
things that are God's. In other translation, translations, it's render under Caesar that which is Caesar, render under God that which is God's. I think we all do this in some way or another. For five days, we go to work to earn a living. We render under Caesar. The weekends, we have our family and we go to church. We render unto God. We pay our taxes to the government. We render under Caesar. We pay our tithes to the church. We render to God. For me, I think about it when I have to deal with the church's audit. I'm rendering under Caesar. <laughs> when I'm leading worship or talking and meeting with people, I'm rendering unto God. Maybe it's your work life and your personal life. Maybe your body and your soul. Maybe it's religion and spirituality. Maybe it's politics and faith. Keep them separate. One is rendered to Caesar. One's rendered to God. How is it for you? When do you do this? But you know, for every first century Jew who was there at the time, this was an ironic question because they knew everything was God's. Nothing was Caesar's. In fact, there was a belief that the Roman occupation, it only happened because somehow God was permitting it. Even that was under God. To say, render under Caesar that which is Caesar and render under God that which is God's is to say, everything's God's. Nothing's Caesar's. You know, for me, this is a reminder, a reminder of God's hope, God's desire for us for an integrated life, an undivided life, where all the parts are knit together. All of them are one what we render to Caesar and render to God, it's all under God. Writer and author Parker Palmer uses an illustration to discuss this of a sheet of paper. He says, throughout our lives, we often live two parts of a life. We have an external life, what we have at work, maybe what we present to the wider community, what we present at school, the parts that are public that we, where we try to conform, we try to match social expectations, the parts that we render under Caesar. And then there's another side. There's another side which is our inner life. It's our values, our emotions, Maybe it's the being in human being. The parts where we pray that are deep within ourselves. And, you know, one of the wonderful things about being with children is children still live in this place of the integrated self. There is no public, there's no private, there's no divided self at all. It's just there 
If they're upset, they get upset. If they're happy, they're happy. What you see is what you get with a little kid. But somehow as we grow up, we learn, we learn that we need to separate these parts of ourselves to conform, to get along, to survive in the world. And then Parker Palmer says, sometimes when we become aware of this, our life becomes shaped like this. It's a circle. The values we have, our inner life, our emotions, they're a precious commodity. They're here in the center, kept safe. And there's the external life we live. And we learn that, that we need to protect this. If you bring this true self of yours outside of this circle, it might get hurt. So we keep it safe in the center. It's a beautiful thing, precious. But it's still a divided life. But that spiritual growth is actually about moving our lives to be like, let's see if I can do it correctly, like a Mobius strip. You know, Mobius strip, it only has one side. The inner and the outer are all together, all united. That's knowing that everything is God's. The things within us that are precious and beautiful, the inner self, our emotions, this being of human being, it's matched with the way we live in the world, the way we share with one another, the way that we love and care for people. It's all one. And in fact, I think what we do each week in church is we hope to knit these parts together, these parts that have become separated throughout our lives, that they all may be one. So that when we render under Caesar, it's rendering to God. Because God holds it all in that unity. So where in your life do things seem divided? Is it in your work? At school or maybe the way you are at church even? How is God calling you to knit those pieces together? To find this oneness, this unity, to live this undivided life? That's God's hope for you and God's hope for me, that we render all, all unto God. Amen.